Hello there. Welcome to Get Railed. I am thoroughly enjoying our conversations that we're having with people around addiction, near or close to it. And what I've been realizing in the last couple of days is that it is very discouraging and heartbreaking and debilitating for a lot of people. But there, there has to be hope. We have to find a way to have hope through any kind of loss, destruction, sadness. It's almost as if peeling off a layer to get closer to the true essence is often painful, but we wouldn't want to miss that experience for the world. And I really feel that way about some of the discussions and just the hardship that comes when you are a witness to addiction or when you see people suffering. This last week, a couple people that I know passed away who were really badly nestled up against the disease. Um, and it's almost as if their suffering ended. So I feel grateful that their suffering has ended. And now in the, in the midst of understanding that on some level, trying to go forward with a positive, hopeful perspective. Because I don't want the impression to be that addiction is all uh, discouraging not hopeful, doesn't bring any light onto areas of the darkness. I think just the opposite. I think it is sort of as if the phoenix is rising from the ashes, that something greater is coming toward the surface that is real and tangible and full of the things that the people around them need to process wherever they are in their life. So today on the show, I have a very dear friend of mine who makes me laugh very hard, and I haven't spoken to him since we were traveling in Lake Como about, I want to say, two two summers ago. So I'm very excited to welcome him to the show. I don't have an exact topic that I want to discuss with him. I will see how it goes. As most of you may have noticed, I... I don't really plan anything. I I feel that things should be organic, and that's the way my mind works and how I process my own learning. Nothing has ever been in a linear line where I could study a script or study a piece of paper or paragraph and think, that's exactly how I need to go into a conversation. Usually I just go with what's on the heart, and a lot of time it's stream of conscious thinking. And I find that's when the biggest nuggets of truth and understanding and compassion and love come out. God, am I a love sucker lately. So we shall see how our conversation folds out with my dear friend who's calling in today from London. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How would you like to introduce yourself? Do you want to be anonymous? Maybe I should be. Okay. I'll be anonymous. All right. It's very good to see you. Welcome to Get Railed. Thanks for having me. No, I don't need to be anonymous. Okay. That's silly. That's silly. Give us a free, full frontal. Come on. So I am Oscar. And wow. What can I say? <laughs> I'm, I'm really good friends with Ray. Or Talia. I should say. I'm a bit confused if you're Talia or Ray. Well, now I'm Ray. I've always now actually, yeah, I've always actually been Ray. The kind of ironic thing, which you know the history of, is 
I was really terrified by someone who scared the hell out of me who was an addict, and I wanted to change my name so I could feel safe and I could do things in recovery and talk to people and not feel so so nervous that my name would get me into trouble with different facilities I was working for or rehabs, but that problem is no longer, and I've decided that I just want to be me. And basically, my Hebrew name is Talia, so I used to do that for various reasons, as you know, but I want you to call me Ray because that's how I know you, and I'm very happy that you came to the show. The artist formerly known as Ray. (laughs) No, currently (laughs) known as Ray. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know, I can see where you are. I know where you are. I know. I was actually just like, thinking that. Upstairs, I was like, I was like, have you moved apartment or what's going on? Well, I have, I built this little uh, studio space where I have my roadcaster and my mixer and my mic and all this stuff. So I pretend like I'm in my own yeah. booth. But you know Your where it, booth. you know where it is next to the window where the church is where the people walk by and they stare in through your window (laughs) (laughs) but they're all gay men so they don't give a shit they don't give a shit (laughs) do you think the last time we saw each other was when we went to lake como yeah i think that's the last time we saw each other and then i don't think we even spoke no wait yeah, and then I spoke to you on the phone when I moved into my place in in South London, and then we stopped talking for a while. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really happy to see you. Um, you and I have a very close, I probably get emotional, heart connection, and you're just a wonderful guy, and I'm really happy that you're in my world, and I'm so excited that I get to talk to you today. I have no idea how the conversation will go, but I just want to express um, from my heart that I'm, I'm really happy to see you. It makes, my, it makes my heart feel good. Good. I'm glad. Me too. Me yeah. too. It's really hard when you, when you know someone so well and to have such a strong bond with them to sort of stop speaking to them altogether. Um, And, you know, I think about our times with like a lot of, with a lot of love and laughter and yeah, it's really good to see you. Ditto. You're you're still an important part of my life, and you probably always will be. So it's good to share that. Um, I have no idea what we should discuss, but I was thinking, just based on what you said, maybe that's one of the things that might be helpful. Is sometimes in life we have to take this moment of introspection where we do things that we think better ourselves, especially in recovery, and yeah. And even in growth as human beings, like sometimes we need to grow as women and men. Sometimes we need to take a little bit of time to think about what we need or what we're seeking or the mistakes that we wish we could have done differently. How do you think, how how does that work in your, in your world and where you are in your life, especially now that we're sort of actively charged after seeing each other for so long, not seeing each other for so long? Yeah. Um, so is the question like how do i take time for myself or how do i how do i recharge i mean 
I think I've been really bad recently about taking care of myself, you know, and just like not, I don't know, like pursuing a certain idea that I've had for a long time that's maybe not even true anymore. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been very hard coming back to live in England in many ways. You know what it's like recovery when you, um, when you have to like re rediscover your, who, who you are and then who you're friends with, and then you kind of alienate yourself a bit. Well, I did, um, and kind of just end up a bit friendless in a way. Um, and, and also just kind of distancing myself from recovery a bit recently. Um, you know, um, so it's been tough. And like, I think, yeah, like if I'm totally honest with myself, I think I went out to become a lawyer to like get back at my ex-wife, you know, to like prove <laughs> to her that, you know? And like, you know, like honestly, and then here I am. I mean, I'm still not qualified, but, um, like thinking about that as like my motives seems kind of ridiculous now. And the less I've, you know, the further away I've been from cooking, I've missed it more. And now I do it and it's, and it's so different. Sorry, I feel like I've gone on such a tangent with your question. <laughs> I didn't even know what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You know, what's so great is that sort of how yeah. we all, that's how I feel that that is sort of, how we navigated our friendship. We just went with whatever was going on in the moment. I mean, I really relate to what you said about you think you became a lawyer to get back at your ex-wife. Um, I, I, I think over time I found myself in all these scenarios and think, oh my God, I don't even like X, Y, or Z. What am I doing here? But all of that yeah. is sort of the uncovering of self it takes so long. You know, I, I like saying to, to thine own self be true, might as well be a 70-year trek across the Sahara Desert with no Evian, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you, let me, and you know, one thing you also said was, I do think you have to, 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 to really get to your essence, your, your truth, you sort of have to be yeah. in solitude. I don't think you can be navigating with all these people and personalities to really understand what do I want? What do I need? You know, mm. I think that's I a, I think that's a grow. That's a huge growing point. But when you're someone who's kind of like run away from stuff your whole life, it's just behaving in the same way that you've always behaved in. So it doesn't feel like healthy growth in a way, mm. you know, and you know, there's that, that, that meeting that you, and I used to go to the, that you, you fucking hate, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, I think I slowly over time saw the, saw the light in that. And then I tried to like go, go to it and I just couldn't. And then it, it turned into something. And then I had a kind of weird experience with someone in that group. And I think I didn't behave very well to them, but um, it wasn't intentional. You know, like there was a lot going on at that time between you and I. And I was like very upset about it. And um, yeah, 
for like for me my whole like recovery spot was new york you know like my people and um i think i romanticize it as well that not a lot of that was actually real and true it was just i was at this point in my life where you know it's so weird talking to you now because there's so many things that you said to me that have stuck with me this whole time you know like wow you kind of gave me that like tough love that I needed, but you did it in a very loving way. When I was, I just remember like being in your house and kind of having like a tantrum about things not going the way I wanted them to go. And you just said to me, like, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know? And like, I kind of responded to that as, as I, as I have done. And, and I feel like I have achieved quite a lot since then, but, you know, I feel like sometimes people need to come along for a reason in your life and, and, and help you in some way. And you don't know it at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, it's interesting it's to hear weird. you talk because, you know, it's really great to um, have a friendship with somebody in recovery because it's good to say, what do you think about this? Do you think I'm insane? Do you think, you know, and I, I could share, I, I instantly, when I met you, I felt like I could trust you and I have a very hard time with trust. And I think part of it was, we just laughed so much. It was, it was at a time where the world was kind of in, in all this mishmash. And it felt like if I could be tethered to a friendship and a trust with someone then I, I would have this really close connection. And it, all of that proved itself to be true even now. I mean, I can tell that there are certain people that come across your path that you really just want. You you recognize a piece of them and they recognize a piece of you and you just kind of stick, you know? Um, I think we always talked about recovery in like a very like non-bullshitty way though. Yeah. And that's all kind of get attractive to me. Yeah. I don't think... Honestly, I don't think if I hadn't met you, I would have. I would still be sober because there's so much like snake oil and like you know, people showing up and saying the same thing, saying the same thing for thirty years, and it's like <laughs> no one cares about your dog that's been dead for ten. Years. Tell, tell tell me the thing that I love when you say the most, where you're like, "Dear, we're alcoholics of the hopeless variety." <laughs> variety, dear. <laughs> you know who came over this weekend the kids and they wanted to call you oh and, did they yeah and we were watching mrs doubtfire and i was i was hysterically oh. crying and sophia goes why can't we call him and i said oh i just i think he's probably busy i you know i didn't know what to say That's yeah but look i've got something that i need to tell you as well and i don't know if this is appropriate place to tell you, but I've been kind of like afraid to tell you because um, I'm a, I'm a dad. Oh, wow. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Whoa, that's intense. When did that happen? Uh, six weeks ago. Whoa. Well, first, congratulations. Don't worry about how I feel. Um, yeah. Is it a little boy? A little boy. Wow. Olivia's ecstatic. Frankie. Frankie. Olivia's. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. That name we Bronxes. went over. <laughs> that name, holy cow. Um, wow. Why? Because we, we we talked about that name for so long about dogs and um, animal. Oh yeah, wow. Um, well, congratulations! Holy mackerel! Thank you. How does yeah. that feel to you? Is more like the question. <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm still trying to navigate it, and I don't know what it means. Like, I was talking to someone like, well, "What does it mean to be a father?" And it, I guess it's like it's in the interactions that you have with the child and how you are with them and how you sacrifice what you what you thought about yourself prior to that i think and that's it's been a really you know it's been like watching also watching birth is like the most extraordinary thing i've ever seen in my life um and i think in that moment it truly like changed me but and the aftermath is like you don't really know no one tells you how to navigate this far you know and not having like the job that i really need to have to support is quite stressful um but i mean it's it's wonderful it's amazing and it puts everything in perspective i think um wow that's so huge i was just like yeah. whoa um I thought you were going to say you're engaged, but having a baby is like way bigger than that. <laughs> um, let me get, let me, let me drink some Evian. Wow. Well, I'm happy for you because I, I definitely think that babies are little miracles of God. And if you got one, no matter what happens, you have your genetic mark and Olivia and Simon have a grandbaby and Chesk has a nephew, and I think that's pretty beautiful. Chesky said, I'm going to be the most unbearable aunt ever. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, I'm going to be one of those aunts who's like holding the baby on her hip and having a glass of wine in the other and saying how beautiful her nephew is. <laughs> I can see it. That's totally her. Yeah. Wow. That's totally her. That's cool. Well, that's a huge promise. Yeah, that is a huge promise. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I didn't want to drop that bombshell on your show to you because that's not, I didn't want to not tell you. And I always felt like it would be, it would be hard to tell you. Um, why do you think it's hard to tell me? Because of the, like the history that we have. You know, and I care about you and I don't want to hurt you or make you feel bad. That's very sweet. I'm I'm really happy for you. Yeah. That's really <clears throat> see why before before you came on, I was recording that I had no idea how this conversation was gonna go and, and I was talking about how that's how I learn. I'm not the type of student that can like memorize a paragraph or start planning what I want to say. Mm. And there's no way that I could have navigated this conversation or to, I, 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 I don't even know. What, I don't even know. I mean, I think that's, what's going to make it such a profound interview is um, I don't, I don't know, but I think that it's very human and 
you know, it makes me happy and it, and it makes me want to cry too. Yeah. 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 My like, my reservation about telling you was like, at the time that I found out, we were like not in a good place in our friendship. And I didn't want to like tell you out of the blue because that just felt very like, um, unkind and not thoughtful and that's why I was trying to like call you or talk to you before having this doing this show with you because I wanted to like give you a heads up but wow it happened the way it's happened and it's like, <laughs> I was about to say you know I'm really shitty with math when did this happen okay the baby's six weeks old nine months ago I don't even know what we were arguing at that point yeah. <laughs> you know I mean I was in a separate program and I was told not to speak to you anymore oh yeah I that hated when you good. said that sometimes <laughs> you would not into that yeah sometimes that's just so <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess that there's there's places for that and there's definitely protection of different, you know, sponsors and other 12-step programs. But there's also, uh, it depends on the nature. Whatever one person needs to do to get through a certain moment in life, I'm in support of. Even if it hurts the other person, you got to pick yourself first. You know, you just do. So I get it, mm. um, you know. And it's, it's, it's good that you uh, are having movement towards your purpose. And that if, if and anything bigger than a kid on top of that, if that doesn't give you purpose, I don't know what does. So, you know. No. no. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you know, there was, there was a lot of amazingness in our friendship as well. But there was also a lot of complication as well. Oh, yeah. At the same time, it was very complicated. I don't know. Maybe the having some distance gave it some perspective and made me understand it more. Or maybe it allowed me to like develop in the way that I needed to. I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure. It was very hard because I, we were so, we are so close. So, you know, when you have that understanding with someone that kind of is instantaneous, you can't replace that, mm -hmm. you know. All you can do is replace it with some another connection that's different. There's no, like, barometer of what's the most, you know, whatever. So... Mm, maybe that's true, maybe not. Because, you know, I think that there's certain destinies that we work towards as human and as human beings. And along the road, there's certain omens that we can decide to pay attention to, or we can just pa pass by a lot of my life. I've spent ignoring the omens because maybe it was too painful to look at, or it felt like it was going to create more loneliness or separation from what I felt I should truly be seeking. Or maybe it was just out of, you know, when you get tired and you're really just emotionally tired, and that's a big thing for addicts, you get really lonely and you get really emotionally drained. And you just want someone to say, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, that that is such a huge thing. And my, my very first sponsor used to say, it's okay for you to rub your arm and say, it's okay. 
it's okay. And I swear to God, I did that probably for the first two or three years of my sobriety, just self-soothing because we don't know what we tried. We try to seek out our, our purpose and find what, what we're headed for, but we don't ultimately, we, none of us really know, but I'm, I'm super happy that you shared it with me and, you know, I'm processing it slowly and yeah. I hope I hope that you're <clears throat> in something that makes you feel all the things that I know were important for you to be feeling in a relationship. I hope I hope you have that feeling. I think this is the hardest stage of that, the biggest and the biggest test. And I think still navigating that. Are you scared? Let me ask you. A question. Am I scared? Yeah, I'm scared. I'm always scared. Like I live in fear about everything. About failing and about not being good enough and about um missing out what are you scared of you right know, now like, what are you scared of right now the most like what comes to your conscious thought when i say what are you scared of i'm scared that god that's such a hard question because it's like how do you pinpoint one fear but just take any take them all get them out take just... them all i think i'm fearful of like i'm i'm i'm, I'm scared of failing like whatever that means like I'm scared of like having got sober that I'm not gonna enjoy it. I mean, I don't enjoy it a lot of the time mm -hmm. still. It's hard. You know? It's I, hell. If it's every so if it was e if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And as you've seen in your amount of time, I mean, how do you have five years now? How much time do you have? Nearly. So yeah. you'll see, you know, we always talked about this, the anniversaries, you go into an AA yeah. anniversary meeting and you realize everybody has one year. Then there's several people that have three years. There's like five people that have four years. And then the next person has 12 years. So where did everyone yeah. go? They're gone. Yeah. They're out of there. So my, actually my question to you before, which mm -hmm. is how do you, like you've been sober a long time, like 20 years, right? I'm in my 21st year, yeah. Yeah. So how do you sustain yourself in your recovery? Like, how do you keep it meaningful? Like, what do you do to make, keep connected so that you, so that it's like, so that it's still a better alternative? Mm -hmm. I love that question. But here's what, here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to get emotional. Um, I don't think it's about me anymore. I think... I think because I've had so much sadness and loss that I think it's God's will. And I just pray to every day to accept what God brings, that whatever it is, whether it's a hardship or discomfort or a lack of something that I, that I thought was coming, I just pray that I accept God's will. And sometimes it's been so hard Um even recently, I, I, I've just had a lot of stuff that's happened to me medically, relationship-wise. Um, I've lost a client um, who overdosed. A lot of things have happened, and um, I just laid and I just prayed. It's like all I can do sometimes. I have to keep challenging myself emotionally because the other part of it is, Osk, you know this, you got to find hope. And um, 
So in my mind, it's about trying to find the things that make me okay. And sometimes I don't do a good job of this. Sometimes it's in the moment, like I need to buy a pair of shoes because it's going to make me feel better. But the healthier decisions, luckily right now, it seems like I'm addicted to my therapist and she's fantastic. Jewish, fantastic woman. (laughs) She's so great. I love her so much. And she'll sit there and listen to me for a little bit. And then she'll go, it's interesting. And she'll repeat things back to me. And it's like a white light goes off in my head. And I think, oh my God, you know, Um, but I don't have the same, I don't have the same feelings I had even in the first 10 years of sobriety. To me, this is my this is my destiny is to be sober. And if I'm supposed to talk to people about it, fine. If I'm supposed to work with someone about it, fine. Do I seek it out? No. If you if you work where you're helping people, people will always come to you. God will bring you people to work for. And that's how I started my business, you know, many years ago. I, I didn't advertise. It just was word of mouth. And I thought, if some, if people come to me, I will help them. So now... You know, keeping it fresh is, I mean, I'm very active in AA. I do my step work like a total psycho. I might be addicted to the steps. And part of it is because I came in so young that I don't, yeah. I don't know what else to do. So when I'm feeling bad or like my he- he- heart is heavy, I wake up, I go to a meeting and then I'm like, okay, because it's just a methodical thing. If you've done something for so long, you just keep doing it. You know, and a lot of people, Mm -hmm. by the way, probably, you know, several of them, a lot of people from the rooms have passed away in the last three months. A lot. I've been to a lot of funerals. Yeah. Five people that I've known. Some of them I knew for 15 years. Yeah. They went out. One of them committed suicide. Yeah. It's very real, but you got to have hope and hope is such a big thing. Mm. Yeah. So I hope I answered that question. Did you think about anything? Yeah, that's a really, I think that's a really good answer. You always have a good answer to this stuff. Thank um, you. I like what you say as well. The other thing that sticks with me that you say is keep your, keep your promise to God so God can keep his promise to you. Yeah. And I like that because it, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, but the heart and soul of it is something very kind of like spiritual and not you can't really articulate what that means in a way you know it can mean like stay sober and god will give you the promises or it can just mean like in your heart in your darkest hour when you kind of made that final decision well this is what it means for me like that final decision where you're going to change like i was listening to one of your other things and you were talking about how you know like you kind of like have to pull yourself up by your own gumption and just be like, you have to have the will to change initially. Mm-hmm. Like in that moment, you kind of like make this pact with something. Well, I did certainly. And that's the promise. Like I make that promise in that moment. And, and I hope that I need to, like I need to keep up my end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, I mean, being where I'm at in recovery is this is the most this is the most tricky place I've been in because, like, it's a cliche. I mean, like a male cliche recovery position, which is your life gets quite good, and you like you meet someone and you have a kid, and you know, there's so many dudes I know who that's happened to, and they like drift away from AA and they drift away from recovery, and then they 
they don't come back or they, you know, or they go out and they never come back. And um, I think this is like a really critical moment. And I know in the back of my mind that I need to kind of like do something about it. But yeah, I didn't know that time was such like a, a luxury anymore. <laughs> you know, I, I used to have all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I took it for granted, I think, in some ways. But, um, yeah, I think you need to be super tough to be in recovery and to be sober and to just to be in the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I remember when we, I'm sorry, my mind's getting all over the place. I remember when we connected about uh, what was going or going on in the Middle East mm, Yeah, back at the end of last year. Um, because I'm I'm not very political, but that really like hit me. Yeah. What happened? And I don't know. You felt like the natural person to talk to about that. Thanks. A lot of times, you know, I I I have this thing when it comes to politics and when it comes to my relationship with God or my higher power or whatever, and some of it is so close to my chest and my heart, and there's a synagogue that I go to that's right next to me that people were taking down all the mezuzahs and having people with Uzis outside. And they were doing really um, separated like entrance into shul. And I started to really feel that people didn't want others to know they were Jewish. And it started getting yeah. so real because it was so close to my apartment and I started thinking, oh, my God, if something were to happen, then I I obviously will accept God's will. But when it comes to hatred and things like that, I, I, I have a hard time talking about it, articulating it. I think my body just can't process so much hurt. And so sometimes I, mm. I just don't discuss it. Like, I never talk to anyone, really. I mean, you and I being best friends that we that we were at that time when we were as close as we were obviously we sh we shared a lot of uh private things about politics or how we felt or people just to try to understand our own discerning factor and a lot of the times you know in aa they're like don't talk about other people i totally agree with that it's not about the other person but it's about being discerning for what you need for your own personal quest and sometimes we have to do that with sponsors, and sometimes we have to do that with the people we trust. Like, does this seem okay to you? I would say that to you all the time about people that I would acknowledge um, are doing the best they can. We're all doing the best mm. we can, and it's hard, you know? Yeah. 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 Actually, I had quite like a – so I got the same sponsor that I've had the whole time. Oh, nice. Um, after the first guy. Um, whose name shall not be mentioned. Yeah. Um, but I had like a very beautiful moment with him when I asked him to be godfather to my son. And I said, I like called him up and I said, I've got something I want to ask you. And he's quite like a, you know, like a straight talking, like white guy, right? <laughs> and, not, and just like, like worked in finance. He's very sensitive and he's very emotionally awake, but... I just didn't have know that side of him that was like that. And I and I asked him and he just broke down in tears. And it was quite an amazing thing to see. Um, and like, I feel like I get, uh, I, I get so much from him in terms of how to be a man in the world. 
and how to like be a sensitive man in the world and it to not be this like thing of weakness um that like there was it just felt like a quite a, like a beautiful full circle that moment when I asked him because he'd seen me really at my lowest point mm -hmm. when I was so crazy and so desperate and so sad and then to like have this moment of kind of like giving him that proposition and then him bursting into tears was just quite like it was just very moving beautiful it was just, I don't yeah. remember him he, but he's your first sponsor in London no from New York oh wow but he moved to Florida oh yes to, to get old and wrinkly and like a leather crocodile like all those people was he there. was he oh yeah I I don't want to say his name but I vaguely remember yeah, yeah. Did he work on these? No. <laughs> I just pointed to my teeth, guys. Um, <laughs> I have no idea who he is. We're not talking about yeah, the you one. Associate, you associate people with like what body modifications they've done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I was. Over the new ear. No, I was referring. <laughs> yeah, I've, something's never changed. No, I was referring to like his oh, job. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. Was that his job? Well, the breath. No, it's uh, <laughs> even worse. No, a dentist. <laughs> For some reason, I, I thought he was a dentist. Okay, well, it's not the one mm. that I thought that we used to meet out on the street. No. With open-toed shoes. No, not that one. <laughs> okay, so not confused. With those shoes, dear. So, dear, are you living with Olivia and Simon? Nice. I am. Oh, so you have you have yeah. baby help. So, like, yeah, but if you can imagine, like, every single stressful thing that's going on at once, like, that's where I'm at. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. You know. Uh, but let's talk about you. Okay. I'm going to get into it with you because I'm just a world of emotions. A couple weeks ago, they found a lump in my breast, and that scared the shit out of me. And then they had to do a biopsy, and then there was all this stuff that that went on. They they actually put a metal like tic tac in your boob when they do the uh, biopsy, and it's just a horrible procedure. And I think women don't really talk about it enough, or maybe I just got sick of hearing about you know those little pink cookies and the Susan G. Komen and all that, and I just blocked it out. But it's absolute agony. Everything seems to be okay. It needs to be monitored a little bit. Um, so there's that. That's the best part about being an addict is we are so emotionally um, discombobulated that the only way to stay sober is to actually get in touch with that fear and be honest, communicate, be honest with what you feel. It's fucking powerful, you know? Mm. Yeah. Always be honest. No matter what happens with this journey of life you're on with the baby's mother or your parents or yourself, run it by someone and ask them, am I out of my mind or do you think this could be a revelation? Because more often than not, we already know it. It's right in here. It's right in our, like on our solar plexus near our heart. We know what, what's going on. We just have to access the fear and communicate in the right way. It's better to be bummed and feel things than to be frozen, you know? Mm. I feel frozen emotionally, actually. Really? I feel numbed out at the moment. Do you know what? I have a real anger issue going on. 
about and or just deep about just deep anger that's unresolved and I can't get it out mm. you know I mean there's like there's a lot of things going on that I'm I'm like very ashamed of as well you know like um I flipped out so I'll be I'll be you know I don't know if you can cut this or whatever but I flipped out on her when we were on the phone to the hospital and I was like she was trying to hang up the phone um when she was pregnant and we needed to call the hospital and I was like don't be so fucking stupid and the midwife heard that and they reported us to social services so then we have to do this like course and the social worker comes around because that's um it's considered domestic abuse mm. you know yeah um and that's been really you know like noticing that I thought I dealt with all of that anger stuff and I just like I haven't like I'm still really angry about something and I don't know what it is yeah so I think I use like anger to numb out and to feel um to not feel mm -hmm. and to like get a high off rage well it's also um, it's a hit it's a dopamine hit and it makes yeah. you feel high yeah well and when you grow up with a father who was angry your whole life yeah like that's what you know you know that's how you see people you have a role model kind of navigating life using anger and rage mm -hmm. um and i'm so worried about transferring that onto my son mm -hmm. and like if i don't do something about it i'm going to because you know it nothing changes nothing changes right so well, i'm actually going on an anger management course oh wow um when is that in march very soon in london or you're going traveling for it yeah oh, okay no no no. it's like a weekend course mm -hmm. uh, apparently this is like an amazing therapist um you know i need to do whatever i can mm -hmm. um i have to take some kind of action in that direction yeah do you know i think that not that you're asking my opinion but number one there's nothing wrong with what you said and you're a good man and you're going to be a good father and you're a good partner. I know that. So also give yourself a small break because the emotions yeah. that are going on right now as a result of the huge enormity of a baby coming into your world. I'm so grateful that you yeah. have Olivia and Chesk and Simon because imagine if you did not. Imagine if you were in New York. I know. It'd be so hard. It would be so hard without them being there. My mum's been really sweet, um, in particular. I mean they, they all have. Yeah. Um Your mom is your I heart. Know, yeah. You also told me to you said you need to love you need to love that woman because there's nothing like a mother's love. Mm -hmm. And I I've tried to do that um to the best of my ability. Sometimes probably not enough, but but I, what I was going to say is I know that it's not okay to express emotions through anger, like fear. Like in that moment, I was afraid and it came out as anger. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not okay. Like there's other ways of doing it. Yeah. But you're um, navigating and you're yeah. learning. And I hate telling people to go to 12-step stuff. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with the other program that has nothing to do with the the primary one that we both take part in 
the other one, I think, I think that's when, that's when I saw a change in even just telling you that story, because it's the learning how to relate in the areas of your life where your relationships intersect yourself. And that you can't get from the, that one place. You can get parts of it. You can see how to interact. But there's, there's a deep thing in all of us. It's almost like the reason why I drank is the stuff that I need to do the most of, not, oh, I need to escape this moment. It's like, what's underneath that, you know? Yeah. You're going to be great. You're going to be great. But I don't know if you relate, but, like, I feel after this amount of time, you sort of, like, when you get sober, you try and, like, create this idea of yourself, of who you want to be. You're like, I'm this person, and I'm going to run every day and, like, break my knees, and I'm going to... Like, oh, yeah, you did that. Remember your yourself. your white hookahs were filled with blood? I know. I know. Remember. And and then slowly but surely you realize like those things kind of don't work. And then you're at a point where you kind of like don't even know who you are anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best place to be in, but also the most terrifying and in a way kind of hopeless. Yeah, but that's um, that's the little so, that's the li- you're in that little itchy phase that we just talked about, you know. Yeah. It's going. You said though, like you got hope. Yeah, you definitely do. You you're smart. You're handsome. You have everything that you need. You just need to trust God and move towards whatever you're recognizing about yourself. Because as soon as we realize that our, our plans and designs obviously do not go anywhere, as soon as we let go, that's when we soar. I really believe that to be true. I really believe yeah. it. Yeah, I think I'm having a hard time letting go. Yeah. Tell me about Barney Greengrass. The one bagel is $8. I know, they're bankrupting New York one Jew at a time. <laughs> I know. Why do you think there's only 12 million Jews in the world? Come on. <laughs> What's it like in New York? Is it okay? But you still hate it. Yeah, you know, when I, when I first you knew that... You love it, though, as well. Mm, I, that's a stretch. Um, when I first started talking to you, like, that we were prepping for this call, uh, f- picking the times and stuff... I was thinking, oh, my God, I need to go to London. I need to, like, see what you're doing. You need to make some scallops. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's get Olivia a glass of wine. Let's go to that restaurant on Knob Hill that the food is – the black cod is so good. Oh, yeah. So good. The calamaris. I mean, you and I just ate our way through every city that we've ever been in, which actually is true. It's true. That is true. I'm so glad that we finished. We we basically went through every stream of emotion in this call because when you first told me that story, yeah. I, I just didn't even know what to say, and cool. I feel so much better. Yeah. Do you? Okay, good. Yeah, I was like freaking you know, out. In a way, in a way, I think this was the best forum to tell you in because it's like you can't run away from your show. Yeah. You had to like stay on. Yeah, I think if I told you on the phone, you would have hung up on me. Oh my god! But I would have been. I, I sometimes I feel like I have that old instinct in me of like I need to go to London right now. I need to go there and find out what's going on. I was actually considering <laughs> flying coach to deal with this. <laughs> I will go coach. I will be calling you. I will be harassing you. 
So this this was a good this was a good way for me to like go through. I'm sure I'm going to have many emotions, but it's also the reality of life is we just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I I I still want to be attached to you. I know you're a you're a powerful um, emotional support. You can read my my emotions. There's only two people in my life that have ever read my emotions: you and Josh. And you guys can tell without even a word how I'm How's feeling. Josh? He's okay. He's actually, God bless him. He came over. He's such a Jewish mother. Josh came over with bagels and locks and left it on the counter. <laughs> That's Jewish grandmother stuff. Yeah. He's like, please be eating. You look like you've been do- p- yeah. doing Pilates and starving for two weeks. I go, oh my God, I'm fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's, your, um, how's your Japanese CMOS? My Japanese, oh, they're still together. And I shake them every day praying to God. I look out the window at that spot, and I still have your worry yeah. dolls. I still have the Osk mug. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. What about the coffee machine, or has that been retired? It's in the closet. I have a new one. I have an espresso maker. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course you do. I, your, your mug from Spain cracked the other day, and it made me cry. Did it? Yeah. No. Yeah. My as as si- What? Oh yeah, you told they me sold that. Their place. I told you that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, where's Chess yeah, living? Is she still with her friends? Chess's been moving around, but she's now got her own place in Camden, oh, wow. like a little studio, and I think she's learning how to live on her own. Wow. And I'm always afraid of like saying anything to her. She's very. Yeah. Um. She's very headstrong and she's she's a lot more wise than I am and more intelligent for sure. But um like I want to tell her to enjoy it while that moment in your life lasts. Yeah. That's like a really great moment, you know? Yeah. Um like I remember when I got my apartment in by Union Square in that studio. Yeah. When I was getting so and how like tough that was, but also how amazing that was. And to have that time to like figure myself out a bit, I think. Um, so yeah, I want her to be happy. And I think she's she's getting there and she's met this guy and she like laid down a boundary with him and he kind of like accepted it. Um, he wasn't behaving in, a, in like a nice communicative way. And he, she said that, like she told me today. Um, so she and she's you know she's so sensitive and intuitive and she knows people and understands stuff and she's doing a phd and she's yeah she's she's, she's gonna be great it's really hard to be yeah. i mean the i know you know this it's just really hard to be a woman it's really hard to be a young woman it's hard to be a man yeah. for sure i think in some ways it's harder to be a man because you feel so responsible that you need to take care and provide everyone security and you need to manage what to do with your life and you need to take care of all the women in your life and you need to have money and look good and all that shit but and then at the same time you're being told that no one wants that anymore oh but everyone really wrong wants i want it all thank you so much for coming to the show ask i just want to tell you something i really love you I really love you. I love you. And um, I'm very happy about baby Frankie. And whenever it's appropriate, um, I would love to meet him and or whatever. Yeah. 
maybe if it works, Definitely. if it's appropriate, if whatever. And please send my love to Chesk and Olivia and Simon and um, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about anything, okay? If it causes cancer and pain, just don't worry. Just pray. Peace. Poof. <laughs> and stay away from the gays with their open-toed sandals after 75. No offense, my <laughs> lovely gays. <laughs> Keep in touch, too, okay? I will. All right. Be well, right? You too. So that was a lovely, beautiful, unexpected interview with my dear friend, Osk. And... I, I really like that it just captured the whole wave of human emotional reactions. And there's a lot of truth in what we shared with each other. So I will look forward to my next guest this week on Get Railed. If you have anything that you're struggling with in and out of addiction, recovery, life, or any of your emotional failings or capabilities, please feel free to send us an email. We'd be happy to start a conversation with you, have a talk about whatever you need to talk about. <laughs>